I do a lot, but I also do what I want to do. Um, and I share that with folks. It's not like I am running, just constantly chasing the next thing. I, there's a lot of things that I could be doing that I said no to. Everything that I currently do, is, I, I like to do. I have stuff that I want to do. And it's, and it's part of what I call that, that a divine life secret. It was 2015 when I met our next guest, Tamika Isaac Devine. She was the keynote speaker for our business breakfast. She was coming to share with us what she had learned from the mass shooting in Charleston, South Carolina. We were all anxiously waiting to hear what she said because we need to have some clarity and begin to start healing from this senseless killing. Well, she was a councilwoman in Columbia, South Carolina. And what I soon learned right after her speaking was she was more than just a councilwoman in South Carolina. She was a mom, partner in a law firm with her husband and sat on many boards. She was a very busy lady. This woman that morning had driven from Columbia, South Carolina, and I believe she was pregnant at the time, to Atlanta, Georgia, to give us this keynote because she all knew we needed to hear it. And this is what she's been doing since, constantly juggling the many different jobs that she has, leading communities and healing and bringing women and coaching women on strategies on how they too can integrate their work in their life. She has not just left it to women to figure out, but she's talking to corporations. And one of the unique things I like, which you're going to hear about in this session, is how she's showing companies on how they can bring their families into the corporate setting. Stay tuned for this session with Tamika Isaac Brown. All right, we have Tamika Isaac Devine, and we have what I love about her the most is that she's not just talking about living a divine life. She is the divine life. And she has so many different roles, as you heard, that she's a public servant, she's an entrepreneur, and of course, she has one of the most important jobs, the most difficult jobs. She is a mom. And with all these different roles, I'm just wondering, you know, we, we've talked about a lot of times work-life balance and work-life integration, but what I see with your roles, a lot of them are not in the corporate environment. And so you have a lot of uh, autonomy over your time, a lot of control over your time. I would ask for a mom who doesn't have this kind of autonomy, do you think that this would still be possible? Oh, thank you so much. First of all, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here uh, on your podcast. Um, and thank you for asking that question because I think that is what a lot of folks um, feel. I, I get a lot of folks who follow me on social media or come to my sessions and they're like, well, Tamika, that sounds great and that's great for you, but I work for nine to five. I'm in corporate America. I can't do the things that you're saying that I should do. And the, the biggest thing is I tell people you can. The thing is uh, corporate, if I, corporate America is evolving as well. And you know, the biggest thing is that bosses and corporations they want to make employees happy and they certainly want you to be productive as an employee and the best way to be productive is to give you the opportunity to uh, be productive in that job and designing the things that you want and so what i tell a lot of my clients 
and, and some of my clients are actually corporations who bring me in to work with their, their workforce. But when I have work uh, clients who are in the workforce, they say, how can I make these things that you're sharing with me work for you or work for me? I share with them, first of all, it's about communication. It is uh, having that conversation with your employer, making sure that they understand that in order for you to be the best employee, the best team member for them and be productive, uh, you need some accommodation to recognize that you are a community leader, that you're a, a mom of kids in school. And so as long as you're going to still be able to be productive and get the work done that they need you to be done, a lot of times I find that employers will, will help you do that. And that is through, you know, sometimes teleworking and sometimes doing different schedules and sometimes making sure that, you know, one week you might work a little bit more so that next week you can take a little bit of time off to do what you need to do. So it's about kind of having that communication and setting the expectations with your employer so that both of you can work together to find a solution that works for you. And, and so a lot of times women are not asking their um, employer for these accommodations. And, I'm, and I'm, I can't blame them because sometimes these accommodations that we ask for sometimes backfire. So how can our leaders, our um, organizations begin to create op opportunities or policies so women don't have to ask? So what kind of things could they do so we don't even have to say, hey, I need to have a flexible schedule or um, I need to have a little more time off or this week I'm only going to work 30 hours versus 40 hours. What kind of things could they do so we don't come asking and they're more proactive? That is an excellent question. And I think that the best employers in the country right now are the employers who have stayed on the forefront and have made those accommodations or have at least explored those accommodations with their employees so that their employees did not have to ask because it does it puts an employee in a difficult sometimes uncomfortable situation yeah, yeah. you have to come and say hey you know i am thinking about starting a family but you know i'm not going to be able to work this long with a young kid can i have a flexible work schedule most most employees don't want to or feel like they can do that mm -hmm. and so i think in order to be uh, one of the best employers uh, as an employer, you're going to have to be on the forefront and figure out how can you set policies? How can you uh, have an, a work environment that is conducive for uh, work-life integration for your female employees as well as your male employees? Because the other thing that we know is that men also struggle with work-life balance and work. men want more time uh, with their families as well. And so when I have my corporate clients, what I do is I come in with them and we initially start with a survey, survey of the mm -hmm. workforce, find out what kinds of policies would be uh, supportive of uh, more productivity uh, among especially the folks who have families. And so part of that as an employer is figuring out what the needs are of your workforce and then how can you accommodate them. And then setting some policies at the beginning. Some of those policies might flex time. It might be teleworking. Yeah. It might be um, having more opportunities for family functions at work. Um, one of one of my clients. I love that. That's. I mean, we've been talking about being inclusive environment. That's yeah. great for inclusive. One of my employees is a very uh, very large law firm, and we came. They brought me in 
and we they were they found that they were losing not just their female associates but also some male associates because of the demands it takes to be yeah. an attorney billable hours, hours. Mm-hmm. and so we did we we designed something and so part of uh what they found is we designed um just more of a family-friendly environment and so uh, we would have family nights at the ballpark and so their uh, their staff members could bring their families and they'd have game night at, at the ballpark um, we did a family fun day at a, a local park one day and they actually we, they ended up doing a giveaway where the family uh, families came and helped do community service for the community and they um, then did we did a, a survey later and they found that those opportunities to bring their families to work made them work harder because they felt like the the employer cared about the fact that they were a family person and that their family was able to then come see, hey, this is what mommy does, this is what daddy does, this is their their work family. So when they're leaving me because they have to work really hard, this is where they're going. And so yeah. it really became a family. And so those are some things that I think employers can do and again hands down most surveys will tell you that employers who do these type of things are always uh, second to none the best workplaces um, voted on by the employees because they have produced that kind of environment. I love that because we have networking events um, they're after work and um, a lot of times you know it makes it very difficult for women to attend and this is really where you know they're getting the face time of the leaders that they need to be in front of they're making and building relationships and understanding things that are not necessarily talked about within a formal structure of a meeting it's happening outside and so when you've now included that person's family or their partner they're able to come in with that person they don't have to, to kind of decide is should i do work or should i do uh, a so you know family time it's all integrated and that really is truly integration is what we're talking about. So I want to give you some numbers because you talked about uh, people leaving, how people are leaving when they don't experience this kind of integration. And what we have found is that 42% of the working women will reduce their working hours for family-related issues. So when there's issues that are coming up, they will just now say, you know what, uh, I can't do handle this anymore. Um, I'm going to not long, no longer be a full-time employee, become part-time. We found that 39% of them will take off significant amount of time for family illness. So when there is a family illness, who leaves? It's the female employee. 27% of them will quit their jobs because of this family-related illness. So just absolutely leave their job for some kind of family issue. And 30% of women turn down a promotion because of family. They would just say no to a promotion. So understanding these statistics and understanding that organizations still have gender diversity goals, knowing that organizations are constantly trying, reaching out for women and putting them into the pipeline, what can organizations do to slow down the rush to that exit door? Well, first of all, I would say all organizations need to be working to slow down that rush and in that rush because what they're going to find is that they're not going to be a place that's attractive for employees and and so they're not going to be able to be competitive in the market um one thing is interesting because during the whole COVID 19 thing i think a lot of employers because it was forced upon them to be creative and figure out ways to to get their employees to be able to be productive while they're dealing with 
stay-at-home orders, the schools being closed and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, I have seen in, in this environment, the best organizations are the ones that were already in front of the curve, who were already putting in things to allow for um, those opportunities. And so those are the ones that are going to come out of this position to, to thrive, whereas we know that work as we know it been affected and in, in and, and the workforce will look different after we're finished COVID-19. Uh, so the things that the employers can do is to, um, again, have, have a working environment that is conducive to their all types of families mm-hmm. and employees that are coming in. And so recognizing that you do have, you know, you've got gender diversity goals, which everyone should not only have goals, but be, you know, that should be a policy that we want to have an equity yes. work environment. Um, and we want to recognize the work of our, our, our women as well as our men, our younger employees as well as our older employees. Because the other thing when you talk about also diversity, what you find too is millennials and Gen Zers also crave that work-life balance so much more that that will de- determine where they're going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's yeah. why a lot of these companies do have um, these co-working environments and, and teleworking because that's attractive to the millennials. So what I think companies need to be doing is looking at how do you stay ahead of the curve and you address the needs, um, be able to address the needs of your workforce um, ahead of the time before those problems come up. So clearly don't wait until you have, you know, a great um, employee, a female employee that is, you know, she's working nonstop and she's producing and she's great. And then um, she decides she wants to start a family. And so don't wait till that and then figure out, oh my gosh, I don't, I don't have anything for her. And so her choice is, do I leave this great company that I love and I love the work that I do? because it's not going to be supportive of me having a family, being able to leave and have a family, or, you know, is this company one that already has something in place that can address that? So, you know, certainly companies want to make sure that they're addressing family leave, being able to have, again, flexible work schedules, um, allowing for employees to work from home when necessary, allowing work uh, 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 schedules that, will give someone the support if they are have certain needs. Mm-hmm. One example is a lot of companies are providing for nursing moms that have to travel, providing um, opportunities for them to be able to ship their milk. Um, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, well, there's able to, yeah, which is huge, which is huge. I, I remember in my career, I, I had a lot of traveling that I was doing during a time when I had just had one of my babies. And it would have been great that I could have uh, packaged that milk and sent it back home. You know, that's a, that's invaluable, and most people don't realize that that is a, a big thing. So having those kind of uh, you know things in place that would be supportive of your staff person staying on and being productive, yeah. also being able to address their family needs that they have, even having an environment in the in the workforce in the workplace that is a work a rest environment you know it could be a cubicle where someone could go take a nap because they're working the long hours or you know because they have kids at home they may you know you don't realize that the work day for uh, a work <laughs> starts around 4 35 o'clock yeah, that's her second shift <laughs> <laughs> and when the kids yeah. go to bed sometimes she has a third shift 
<laughs> exactly. And so having those those kind of things, having fitness as part of your environment there in the, in the, in the office, um, making sure that, you know, you have maybe a walking trail or you're, uh, you're supporting their fitness and health needs. Um, all those are things I think companies need to do that has proven to affect their bottom line because it helps them provide those things uh, for the employees and the employees. And I'm glad you, glad you gave us some real practical things because that's what um, our leaders need to hear. They need to know what can we do to retain these women. Um, and these are simple, very simple and very implementable things. And not really any of them. I can't even see where there would be a major hit to anyone's uh, budget. I mean, when you're talking about giving someplace a, a rest area, I mean, we have, we've seen all these little tents where people can go and rest in the middle of the night. You're thinking about someone who just had a newborn um, in their house uh, who probably was up all night. And so they just had, um, during lunch hour, a time where they could have 30 minutes to rest. We also realized because most of our females that are working are also caregivers, perhaps maybe even of their parents. And having that caregiving responsibility, having the opportunity to take a little rest break during the day would be great as well. So I love those very practical things. Are these some of the things that you're hearing from the women in your coaching practice that they are asking their uh, organizations for so they can be able to stay on longer? Yeah, I mean, definitely I hear some from, from my clients, but I'll be honest too, some of my clients actually don't necessarily know what it is they need. They, they, they know, look, this is what I'm struggling with. And, and then through our working together, we figure out, okay, this is what you're struggling with. Let's figure out what the solution is. And then based on knowing what the solution is, what can we look for that will bring you that bring you together with that solution? And so that's the interesting part. And sometimes people in your employees don't necessarily even know what the solution is. They just know this is tough. This, this is, is a problem. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm going to be burnt out, and I'm going to be having to leave. And so for again, employers, for you to be on the forefront and kind of you know surveying your your employees, figuring out what's going on, being observant as to what their struggles are, and then being able to either come up yourself or bring in a consultant like myself to help you figure out, okay, what is the solution and how do we provide that solution to support our team members? So it's more of a co-creation. So people know that they have a problem, but they don't necessarily have the solution. And the leaders are looking to provide a way to retain their employees, but not really sure what they're struggling with. So they do need to work together and kind of co-create some policies around having a way for them to actually retain. Yeah, I mean, I, if someone had said to me, we can give you a service to send your milk back, and I'm like, wow, that would have been great. I didn't even think of that because why didn't I even think of that as an individual that I could have bought some dry ice, packed it or whatever, and shipped it back? So you're, you're, you're right. We have a problem, but sometimes we don't know the solution. And so it's great for us to have those conversations. So no one should be creating policies or creating strategies or anything without talking to all the parties that are involved. So it should be definitely a co-creation. So with this, I mean, you have this crazy schedule. So what is your, your secret? Not only um, that what you're doing, but how can you take what you're doing and how can we, I guess, maybe um, what I say, uh, build a framework around it 
or uh, is it something that we can you can teach our HR leaders or something that our HR leaders can use so they can bring that into their workplace? Yeah, great question. So, so for me and uh, people are always like, oh yeah, you do so much, and then figuring out, okay, well then how do I live up to those expectations is for you to decide. For me, yes, I have I wear a lot of hats. I have a lot of responsibilities. So, and able to navigate those expectations, that might mean saying no to some things that just really are not um, part of my priorities um, and giving myself permission to say no to things that don't align with my priorities and my goals. But it also might mean, you know, working early in the morning and late at night or, you know, while everybody is working at home is coming into the office on a Saturday. So it depends on, you know, what your expectations are and then figuring out how do you meet those expectations. And I think a lot of it, you clearly first have to decide what you want and then everything else should support that. And I think a lot of times if, if it's not very clear, you know, it's anything, if you don't have a clear destination, then um, going back to the whole, the whole old adage with um, Alice in Wonderland, when she was standing at the road and she's asking, which way do I go to the Cheshire Cat? It's like, well, it depends on where you're going. And so a lot of it is we need to help and support our um, staff. And I think, you know, as I'm thinking about that, if someone is in a talent pipeline and they're on their way to a particular destination in their career, then they have to ask themselves, okay, is this going to help me get there? And if it's not as wonderful as it is, I'm not going to be doing that. And so this way they're able to achieve a lot of the things that they're looking for. Well, this has been such an interesting and very fruitful conversation because, I mean, this we keep talking about it. We know that this is an issue, but I am so excited that we're getting practical solutions that we can actually use in our organizations to really support women. We cannot keep saying that we want women to be in organizations and then we don't give them the tools and the resources for them to be there. So I'm going to hand over to you because this is one of the questions we ask everyone on the podcast, the, the HR magic wand. So we are now giving you <laughs> the HR magic wand and tell us what policy or what program or what would you immediately implement in this if, if you have the HR magic wand in your hand? Wow. If I had the HR magic wand in my hand, uh, the policy that I would immediately implement is a policy that supports someone's family's lifestyle. Because I do think that we have so many folks who make false choices as to whether or not, you know, they need to go after that promotion. Like you mentioned, the folks who, you know, don't go after the promotion because they have family responsibilities Mm -hmm. or the people who go having a family because they're so ambitious professionally, they feel like it can't go together. So, you know, I would clearly have policies that support the family lifestyle, no matter how that family is made up. Have that family lifestyle of my, my team members so that they will know that they work for a place that completely supports their family and therefore they're going to be vested in making my company a success. Okay, great. And so we're going to ask you our last question, your HR hashtag for gender equality, gender equity in the workplace, what would be your hashtag? Oh, that's easy. Work-life integration. All right. Well, great. Thank you so much again. And if um, anyone wants to reach out to you, how can we find more information of how they can live the divine life? So they can uh, reach out on my website. My website is 
adivinelife.com. And again, divine is my last name. So it's just spelled D-E-V-I-N-E. So adivinelife.com. And then they can find me along all social media at Tamika Isaac Divine. Well, great. And we're going to go ahead and put those URLs in the show notes. So you can make sure you can go ahead and reach out to her. Leaders, reach out to her so we can get these very, very practical policies that she has given us implemented in your organization so we can stop the revolving door that's happening in our company. Thanks again so much, Tamika. Thank you. That's a wrap. And thanks for joining us for the HR for Her podcast. And if you would like to find more ways for creating a workplace where the women in your organization will thrive, then go ahead and do two things. One, download our gender policy checklist at our site, hrforher.com, and find out how your company measures up. And two, subscribe now to our channel and leave a review. We would love to hear from you.